I hope you enjoy the rest of the service. Okay, that was a lot. I hope you were taking notes. I didn't realize it was going to be that long, then I wouldn't be standing here for so long. <laughs> okay, so today we're going to carry on in Timothy, but we're moving over to 2 Timothy. And this is his very last letter that he writes before he is killed. So we thought it's important to just keep in this um, in Timothy because there are some um, awesome encouragements that he wants to remind Timothy of. There's a lot of, so it's quite a, a lot in this chapter. And um, I just, I thought you might get sick of hearing my voice. So I've asked Kira to come and read um, to Timothy chapter one. So Kira, you can come up. Josh was supposed to read, but he got sick. So he's at home in bed. So that also happened this weekend. Um, so Kira's gonna read for us. So if you can just turn to 2 Timothy chapter one. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. I've been sent out to tell others about the life he has promised through faith in Jesus Christ. I am writing to Timothy, my dear son. May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. Timothy, I thank you for the God. Timothy, I thank you for your. <laughs> Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience. Just as my ancestors did, night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted. I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith, for you shared the faith that first filled your grandmother, Lewis, yeah. and your mother, Eunice. Yeah. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord, and don't be ashamed of me either. Even though I am in prison for him, with the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer for, with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserve it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time, to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he has made all of us, and now he has made all of this plain to us by, the, by appearing of Jesus Christ, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. And God chose me to be a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of this good news. This is why I am suffering here in prison, but I am not ashamed of it, for I know the one in whom I trust. I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me, a pattern shaped by faith and love that you have in Jesus Christ. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. As you know, everyone from the province of Asia has deserted me, even just call them Jack and John. <laughs> Even Jack and John. May the Lord show special kindness to Onifred. Just call him Owen, because we have Owen. Nice Owen in this church. Owen and all his family because he often visited and encouraged me. He was never ashamed of me because I was in chains. When he came to Rome he searched everywhere until he found me. May the Lord show him special kindness on the day of Christ's return. And you know very well how helpful he was in Ephesus. Give her a hand.
She didn't even practice that. I literally messaged her this morning because, yeah, Josh couldn't really get out of bed. So thank you, Kira. So this is an amazing letter because have you ever, these are his last words. As a parent, I remember once Josh, my parents actually, she kind of like blindsided me and said, can he come and sleep over at her house? And we hadn't been doing any sleepovers at this point um, with people from school because we didn't know these parents well. And she kind of manipulated me into um, agreeing to the sleepover. So he went off. And at that moment, I'm sure some parents have had this, where you're like, have I taught him everything he needs to know? Have I prepared him for if this happens or if that happens? Have you had that feeling? And I think this is kind of what Paul was saying to Timothy. He was thinking, have I prepared him enough? They had been um, in relationship for over 15 years when he wrote this letter. Timothy was with Paul most of that time. There were exceptions when Paul sent him um, to Thessalonica to make sure that things were happening there. And, but most of the time, they were together. And so Timothy was imitating, he was learning from Paul. And so Paul wanted to make sure that he would remember these last few things. In verse two, he says, my dear son. And in one Timothy, he says, my true son. So he really saw him as a real son in God. And so they were very, very close. And then the first thing he does, which I found amazing, is that he's writing this letter, Paul is writing this letter from prison. He is in a dungeon, he is by himself. He has a lot to be sad about. He knows that he's probably gonna die very soon. But what does he start with? He starts with gratitude. He's thinking about the journey that he's been on and he's, and he's grateful. He's grateful for the relationship they've had together. And he says, um, so gratitude, this is the first principle, is a sacrifice that God wants from us. And why is it a sacrifice? Because it's often hard to be grateful when we are in a difficult situation. Have you found that? When you're feeling down in the dumps and things aren't going your way, it's very hard to be grateful. But that is what God wants from us because when we have gratitude, we take the focus off ourselves and our situations and we put the focus back onto God. Paul could have been sitting in prison and he could have been just focusing on his discomfort and his pain but he wasn't, he was, he was looking back at all that God had done with him and Timothy, and now he wants to just remind him of, of the important principles. So as you're sitting here, I want you to quickly turn to the person next to you and tell them three things that you are grateful for this morning. Just three things off the top of your head, what are you grateful for? Coffee. <laughs> I don't like coffee, I'm not grateful for coffee. Okay, so was that hard? Was it hard to think of something to be grateful for? Okay, so I want you to just every morning wake up and be grateful. Doesn't matter what situation you're in, be grateful. Okay, in verse four he says he actually, he longs to see Timothy and he's got tears, he's crying. It's like that bond, he's really missing him. And he's saying this because he's, he's affirming their relationship and because they have a loving relationship a trusting relationship, this is why he can speak into his life. So before you speak into someone's life, make sure you have that bridge of love. 
Okay. And then the thing he encourages him in is this faith. He had faith, the faith that was passed down from his grandmother and then his mother and to him. And I know some of us can be sitting here thinking, well, my mom isn't a Christian, my granny's not a Christian, I don't have this lineage of grace that, that Timothy had. But this is why we have the family of God, and this is why we have spiritual moms and dads and brothers and sisters in Christ, so that we can draw from people. But he, he really encourages him, and he says he has genuine faith. And I think that is such a compliment. Don't you want people to say that about yourself? that they can look at you and they can say, I can see you've got genuine faith. And then he says, this is why I remind you to fan into flame the spiritual gift God gave you. So we don't actually know what gift they're talking about here. Some commentaries say it's his gift of evangelism, but he wasn't saying that Paul wasn't living in this gift and that it was dead. He was saying that we must continually keep that fire burning. We must continually keep adding wood to the fire oxygen to the fire. We must keep adding to it. We mustn't let this flame that God has given us die out. We can't just be passive and think, oh, God will use me. I'll just kind of wait. I can just sit and do nothing. God, he doesn't use us as robots. We're not robots. We have to cooperate with him. He wants us to cooperate with him. So some of us are sitting here and maybe you have no idea what is the spiritual gift that God has given you. Or some of you have, you know what your spiritual gift is, but you're a bit like, I'm a bit nervous, I'm not ready, I don't know if I should do this. God wants you to use your gifts. And he says, when I laid hands on you. So it doesn't always, the gift doesn't mean that someone has to lay hands on you and then you have this gift. So Timothy was already working um, in this gift and then Paul just acknowledged this gift in, them, in him. Sometimes we do lay hands on people to impart gifts as well, so it happens that way too. But I want, to, I want to give you a challenge this week. Have you heard of the hot seat? So we, in life group, this might be a bit of a different hot seat to what you're used to, but we did this a few weeks ago where you sit someone in the middle of the circle and you're going to lay hands on them and you're going to pray for them. And it's actually amazing to see how God uses you. Because often you're like, God doesn't give me a word. I don't know what I'm going to say to this person. So we each had a turn to sit in the hot seat and we actually washed each other's feet. And then we just prayed. And it's amazing how God speaks through every single person around that circle. Even people that are like, I've never, God's never spoken through me. He will speak through you. And it's such an encouragement to that person sitting in the hot seat. So will you do that this week in life group? Will you accept the challenge? Yes? Give me a yes, a thumbs up, a something. Okay. Then he says this verse, we all love this verse. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. He says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And the sad thing is, is a lot of people think Timothy was timid. They'll call him timid Timothy or that he was a bit of a wimp, but he wasn't. He was an average guy that had an extraordinary responsibility. Paul is literally handing over his ministry to Timothy in this letter. And I think he you would be a bit scared, wouldn't you? I think we all have things that we're afraid of. I think some people can look at us and say, oh, I would never be able to speak in public. I'll, I'll just die. Well, I almost died the first time. 
<laughs> but God empowers us and he doesn't give us that spirit of fear. But it, this, this fear can come from different places and it's different for everyone. It can be just part of our personality, can be weaknesses that we have or the way the enemy can attack us. And, but God, but God has given us a different, a different um, spirit. So I want you to turn to the person next to you and tell them something that you're scared of. What is something you fear? Spiders. <laughs> I was thinking spiders too. <laughs> okay, so I think we've established everyone is scared of something, right? So a few, for my 21st birthday, I decided to go skydiving. And you know the fear where your hands are shaking, your palms are sweaty, you can't breathe properly. And I know that some of you, just getting in your car and going to a meeting, you can feel that way. Like that's how anxiety can feel for you. And this isn't to belittle that. And uh, mental illness is real. And if you are struggling with that, you, you do really need to get someone to help you because um, that's, it's hard to deal with that. Um, but God has given us the spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. And it can, I know sometimes we need medication and all of that, but it, this spirit can help you through it. You can experience his peace in that chaos. You can experience his peace in that anxiety and that power and that love. Romans 8 verse 15 says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. We now call him Abba Father. We are God's child just as Jesus was God's child. And like, we need to keep reminding ourselves that. We have that same spirit that empowered Jesus. We have that spirit within us. And we need to stop thinking, I can do this. How often do you say that to yourself when you're in a tough situation? You're like, I can do this. You've got the Holy Spirit inside of you. You, start, you need to start saying, we can do this. Can you change that? Or am I the only person that speaks to myself? Even in the shops I do it, people like, look at me. We can do this, okay? You and the Holy Spirit. Joshua 1 verse 9, this is my Joshua's favorite verse, surprise, surprise. This is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So we need to realize that that spirit of fear is not from God. Okay, so Timothy needed this. He needed this encouragement because what he was facing was scary. So let's break up those words. Power. In this sense, it was called boldness to minister to people. It takes boldness to be able to minister to people, doesn't it? It takes boldness to be able to tell your friend, oh, actually, that's gossip. You really should go speak to that person about, about this. You, your complaining is, is now becoming sin. It takes boldness to do that. It takes boldness to undergo suffering for God. It takes this power. Then love, this authentic Christianity is love and it's service to others. When Jesus um, at the Last Supper, what did he do? 
when all power and authority was given to him, what did he do? He took off his garments, outer garments, and he washed the disciples' feet. And that is the power of love and service to others. It's a love that conquers all contempt and opposition. It's a love that refuses to seek revenge. And then self-control. It's control over our actions and thoughts that prevents rash behavior and aids balanced assessments of situations. So who of us get very emotional and we don't really assess situations with a balanced view? It's clarity of thought. And this is for Timothy in the situation to oppose and to confront people that were teaching false beliefs and ideas. And it's, it also refers to a wise head. I love that, those words, a wise head. Who doesn't want a wise head? <laughs> Which provides wide, wise guidance for the use of this power and love. So J.H. Bernard says, that Timothy needed power to fulfill his arduous tasks, love to suffer gladly all opposition, and discipline to correct and warn the wayward and careless. And we need this power to fulfill our tasks too. We need love to change this country and bear witness to God. We need discipline and that power to do the right thing when often doing the wrong thing in this country can pay off. We need the spirit that gives us the power to endure stress that comes from bearing witness to Christ. And it's not that removal and putting you in a safe place, but the spirit gives us the strength to endure. Okay, then Timothy had three basic loyalties and these are the same for us. So it was to Christ or to God and then to Paul. And I say that because back then they didn't have the New Testament and the gospel, they had experiences. And so even um, theologians will call it the gospel of Paul. So that was his loyalty. And then to the God-given opportunities to serve. And our loyalties need to also be in line with these. And I think we can often just forget that ministry isn't just what happens um, on a Sunday. And it happens throughout our week. My cousin gave her life to the Lord in a Catholic church. And I think they follow the rules a bit better than what we do. But it's like drilled into them for when they give their life to the Lord that you have a ministry. I think often when we think of it, it's only the pastors that have a ministry or the church is the ministry. But she'll often be like, my ministry, I'm doing this. If she's doing a, young, um, a camp for the young adults, she'll be like, this is my ministry. Or even in her work, she doesn't work full-time for the church. She's like, my ministry is to love the people in my workplace. And I think we need that shift in our minds to say, we each have a ministry that, we, that God has given us that we need to serve. Then he says, don't be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And he wasn't saying that Timothy was ashamed, but you know that the way Jesus died on the cross was shameful in that culture. And if you knew someone that was crucified, you didn't actually wanna be associated with him at all. So he's saying this just to prevent him from becoming ashamed. And then he's saying, Jesus looked like a loser on the cross and now Paul looked like a loser in prison. And that sounds harsh, right? But it's true, that's, that's how he looked. And he could have been humili humiliated that his leader that he's been seen with for the last 15 years is now sitting in jail. 
But faithfulness to Christ means being faithful to those appointed by him and suffering for him. And he says to Timothy, suffer with me. And he's saying that this is also a possibility for Timothy. As he comes into his calling and as he um, takes over from Paul, he could also be sitting in jail one day. So he's saying, be prepared and be ready to suffer. So that's his actual jail cell in Rome that he was sitting in. That's not very comfortable. And so Wes is going to talk more about suffering next week. But just this, this idea of not being ashamed of being a Christian. And I remember, like often, you know, when you go to doctors or whatever, you fill out your forms. And before, it was like occupation, teacher, where do you work, the King's School, Robin Hills. And now it's like, where do you work? Uh, new creation, family, church. And then what are our rights? Uh, occupation, I'm like, pastor. And then you hand your form in, and it's opened up so many conversations. They're like, pastor, what do you do? What does that mean? And it's really taught me to just be like, just to make it part of my everyday life to just speak about Jesus. And I was so encouraged with, um, with Warren and Jason. So they're the ones that, um, they put the squad games together, that CrossFit competition that we entered. And they're recent converts. And they are literally, they're not ashamed of the gospel. So this was such a cool thing. So this is their team huddle before the event. And they prayed, like not, all those people are not Christians. Those are random volunteers that were coming to judge at the competition from CrossFit boxes all around Joburg. And Warren was just like, no, we pray before an event. And so he did a team huddle and he prayed that the athletes wouldn't get hurt and whatever, whatever, but he prayed and it was amazing. I was just so proud of him because often when you first become a Christian, you don't want to, especially with people that knew you before, you don't wanna be like, oh, I'm actually a Christian now. So this was such a proud moment for us because it just showed like he, he's not ashamed of the gospel. And it was just also challenging to, to me to just be like, don't be ashamed because our lives aren't in danger like Paul and Timothy. It's just our pride. So we need to actually just put our pride aside and just look. We know when we've missed opportunities, don't we? Where we're like, oh, there was a gap there. I should have said this. And to just drop those seeds in people's lives. It's just our pride. It's not our life. So then in verse nine, he says, God called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it. So not because of our works or human efforts, but because that was his plan from the beginning of time, to show his grace through Christ Jesus. So grace. This means that we can make mistakes. We, it's okay to make mistakes. I'm such a perfectionist, I hate making mistakes. I beat myself up so much when I make mistakes. But his grace is there, it's not by works. We can make mistakes. Some of us need to hear that over and over, it's okay to make mistakes. It's not by anything that you can do to earn his salvation. And then he says, he made all this plain to us by appearing, the appearing of Christ. He broke the power of death. I think some of us do have that fear. I don't know if anyone mentioned fear, that fear when, we, when I asked you to, to name your fears. Does anyone have a fear of death? I think sometimes we can also have a fear of how we die. Maybe that's more of the fear. 
or maybe the fear of the unknown. But this is real because I'm someone that like, I, I believe in Jesus, I know where I'm going, but I can have this fear, especially when someone passes away, you're like, oh, what actually happens? And we can have this fear, but Jesus came to defeat that fear. Because we are God's children. We are human beings made of flesh and blood. The Son also became flesh and blood, for only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil, who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. We don't need to be slaves to that fear of dying. And we know in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55, it says, death, where is your sting? It's lost its sting. But then Christ taught us that eternal life started here on earth. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. So it starts now. I think a lot of us have the belief that when I die, that's when eternity starts. But the word says that as soon as you give your life to Jesus, the sooner you, get, you start knowing the only true God, that's when eternity starts. So we need to start learning to live in that, that eternity starts now with that mindset. It's not like we, we're living it now. We can't wait until um, death takes us. So the, the, resur- the resurrection of Christ brought the nature of life out to public view for the first time. So Jesus taught more about death and eternal life than anyone else. And this is our hope. It's that eternal life that he has, that we're gonna be with him forever. And then verse 11 says, God chose me to be a preacher and an apostle. And his calling, everything he does, he did with a gospel message in mind. And I just thought, how did we get so off track? How did everything else become so much more important in our lives? How did work become more important? How did people, you know, just, just other things become more important? Our ambitions, just having a happy life, my family is more important. The most important thing should be spreading this gospel because we want to take all the people that we know with us to eternity. It should be at the forefront of our minds. Then he's saying, that is why I'm suffering here in prison. I'm not ashamed in whom, I'm not ashamed for it, I know the one in whom I trust. So he had such a deep trust for God that he didn't question his circumstance. He didn't ask God to remove him from the circumstance. He just had that trust. How often is our our trust wavered when we're going through something difficult? And he entrusts his ministry to God. He's been ministering for years and years and he knows that when he dies, it's not gonna end with him. He's trusting God that Timothy is going to take over. And he could suffer anything because he knew he knew Christ. Then he says, hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me. A pattern shaped by faith and love. So like I said, Paul has been modeling this life for Timothy for the last 15 years. And now he's saying, how do you do it? With faith and love. It's faithfulness to the gospel, but then we can't just have faith without love. If you think of the Pharisees, they knew the truth. They knew the Old Testament backwards. They knew all the laws. They knew what was right and wrong. And if you lived according to their principles, you would probably live a good life. But why did they turn people away? They didn't have the love. And this is why he's saying to Timothy, 
Whatever you do, you need to do with faith and love. So this is how we be, are able to tell people the truth in love. This is how we, we, he supposed his ministry must be marked by teaching the truth in love. These are tall orders, aren't they? But we can't do them on our own. Okay, so let's hold on. Hold on to the pattern. Faith and love are an abbreviation for the authentic life of faith, combining the dimensions of your relationship to God and a lifestyle of service produced by that faith relationship. So faith and love. Forgetting to click. Okay, the Holy Spirit. He is the one that enables us to do this. And sometimes it's not always the supernatural, amazing thing. Sometimes it's just being faithful and doing the boring things in life. Sometimes it's just being faithful in your job. It's just being faithful to being consistent and kind. But the power is there in the Holy Spirit to help us, to enable us to live this life and to, to be faithful even when it costs us. And then he ends off with models of shame and courage. I don't think any of us would like to be mentioned in the Bible for, for being a bad example. Imagine that. Okay, so these two guys, Phygelus and Hermogenes, they, they deserted Paul. And, but he says, everyone, in verse 15, everyone from the province of Asia has deserted me. And he is a bit of an, it is a bit of an exaggeration because Timothy is in Asia and he didn't desert him. And this isn't the whole of Asia as we know it today. It's actually a small section in Turkey. It's just a province. So it's not everybody. So at this point, he is feeling a little bit discouraged. But he often uses experiences, human experiences, to illustrate what he's trying to express. And so he singles out these three people. And so he says, don't be like these two guys. Who did we call them? Jack and John. They turned away from the gospel. But he says, we need to be like Onesiporus. I think that's how you say his name. He visited him, he encouraged him. So in, when Paul was first imprisoned in Rome, people didn't even know where he was. So this guy went out of his way to find him. He took him food, he took him gifts. He was the model of of behavior that, that Paul is saying. We need to be like him. He was diligent. He was selfless in his service. And so he need, we need to be like that. Okay, so that's 2 Timothy 1. So Paul is calling Timothy to demonstrate courage and readiness to suffer. And he provided him examples of, of how to do this and what to imitate and avoid. And the thing is with moral behavior, it's best learned by observing, right? It first starts with children observing their parents. Then young Christians learn it from older Christians. But it can't be taught just by going to a few courses. So Christians must see moral commitment as an example um, in others. So we need to be that example. So to all the spiritual leaders in this church, Paul was not ashamed to present himself as the initial example he gave to Timothy. Remember when he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So as, and if you aspire to be a leader, are you confident enough to humbly say, imitate me? Would you want anyone to imitate your behavior? I think that's quite a, a yardstick to ask yourself. 
to say to people, if you want to look at a godly example, look at me. I think that's quite a challenge, isn't it? Do you take it, our leaders? Okay, so I'm just gonna go through the points to remember. So gratitude, no matter the circumstance. Okay, so maybe you need to start a journal, even on your phone, in your notes, start a gratitude journal. And every day, just put things down that you are grateful for. Um, Anne Forskamp has an amazing book called A Thousand Gifts. If you struggle to find gratitude, you can read her book, it's really good. Then strive for that genuine faith, that people can look at you and say, yo, that person has genuine faith. And look for people that you can imitate. Find a spiritual mom or a spiritual dad in this church and say, I really want to learn from you. I need your love, I need your guidance, I need your protection. It's, it's a beautiful thing to have a relationship like that. Who do, can you imitate? Fan into flame the gift God has given you. Okay, so my challenge is to do the hot seat this week in your, in your life groups. Pray over people. See what comes out. See what, what gifts are, are just under the surface in each person. We also have, I had this um, questionnaire that I sent out to our pastoral elders. If you want that, you can ask um, your life group leaders for it. It's quite cool. It's a questionnaire. You fill out all these things, and then at the end, it tells you these are the things. These are your spiritual gifts. It's not 100% accurate, but it gives you a guideline of, yes, I see this in my life. So if you want that, please message your life group leader. Then memorize this verse. That'll help you. When you are feeling fearful and anxious, memorize this verse, memorize the Romans verse, and yeah, <clears throat> memorizing scripture is very important. It changes the way you think, and then that changes the way you feel. Okay, next one. Don't be ashamed to share your faith and suffer for the gospel. Be bold. Another challenge. Can you share the gospel with one person this week? Do you accept the challenge? Just something. Even people, I know some of us, we feel like, oh, I don't know enough, I, don't, you know, I haven't studied theology, but we're just saying people cannot argue with your testimony of what God has done personally in your life. You don't have to go and tell people, Jesus died on the cross for you, you can share your testimony. Okay, that's a hard one for some of you, but try it. Then give yourself grace, we are saved by grace and His grace means we can make mistakes and we can try again and again and again. He is the most patient Father, so His grace covers us. He broke the power of death. Eternity starts now, so let's not put off things that we know we should be doing for Him. And then the last one is trust the Holy Spirit to help you. And He's last, but He's not least on my list. He's the number one. You need Him in everything. He needs to be that person that, that helps you to do it. You can't do it on your own. So invite him into your every minute, every second of your day. Okay, so the worship team is going to come up and we're going to sing a song. And it's actually about gratitude. So we're doing the first step now. And we're going to... My watch is telling me to take a break. <laughs> 
so random. After a hectic workout, it will tell me to take a break. I'm like, my heart rate's been 170 for the last half an hour, and you're telling me to take a break. I'm like, I don't know. It should say breathe. Okay, so we're going to sing this song, and it's about gratitude, and yeah, it's your first step for the rest Sorry. of the week. Thanks, guys. Wait, what's it, what's it you say? You can stand with us. Um. Oh, no, but I have to be, don't I? Yeah, I have no choice. Awesome.